This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Two good Samaritans are recovering tonight after being stabbed while trying to intervene in a Boxing Day robbery in Vancouver's Olympic Village. As Kristen Robinson reports, it all stems from what was supposed to be a Facebook marketplace transaction. A Facebook marketplace meetup in Olympic Village took a violent turn on Boxing Day. When Vancouver police say a buyer deployed pepper spray on a seller and tried to steal a pricey computer graphics card. Two food delivery workers heard someone calling for help and saw the suspect attempting to flee. Police say the pair stopped him from getting into a cab and with help from a bystander, chased the alleged bogus buyer down and held him until officers arrived. One food delivery worker was stabbed in the hand, the other in the shoulder. Without the quick thinking without the um, decisiveness of the food delivery workers and the third bystander, this suspect would almost certainly have got away. 21-year-old Sheldon Ilbegi Asley of Vancouver is charged with robbery and two counts of assault with a weapon. Tech expert Andy Barrar says Facebook Marketplace has its risks, with fraudsters creating fake profiles and trying to scam people even in public places. The big flag is if you see a Facebook profile that was newly created, if it was created in 2023, that's a flag. That means because most people already have a Facebook profile. So that should tell you right now to be very suspicious about that. Have you ever wanted to buy or sell something online, but you're nervous about the in-person exchange? The VPD has a safe exchange space outside its Camby Street headquarters for strangers to buy and sell used goods. Barrar would like to see an indoor area in community police stations where buyers and sellers can meet under surveillance and with an outlet to test electronic items. Scammer does not want to get their image recorded coming into a police station to, to do some type of fraud. So that's really where we need to head to give people that peace of mind when they're buying and selling items on Facebook Marketplace. We're open to considering anything that we can do that's within our power to mitigate that risk to the public because we don't want to see anybody scammed, victimized, robbed, in this case, stabbed. Ilbegi Asley, who has no criminal record, remains in custody ahead of a bail hearing Thursday. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Surrey RCMP are investigating an attack they say was unprovoked and possibly racially motivated. A portion of the incident was caught on camera, and we should warn you, the video may not be suitable for all viewers. Cassidy Moscone reports. Obscenities screamed and caught on camera by a man who says he's the victim of a racist attack. The words are offensive and vulgar. Global News has chosen not to air them. I was minding my own business, walking down the sidewalk, my head was down, I was lost in my own thoughts, and all of a sudden I thought that I heard someone say something like, go back to your country or something like that. 
Sepa Ranjba says he was punched and shoved to the ground on Christmas Day outside a fast food outlet on 104th Avenue in Surrey. At first I wasn't even sure if I had been hit or not, but later I realised, you know what, he definitely punched me because I felt sore on the left side of my face. And so I got up and I started stepping back, but then he decided to come back at me for a second round. Surrey RCMP now involved releasing the suspect's image as a part of an investigation. It appears that it was unprovoked, uh, but it was an isolated incident. So we did not have any other incidents um, of a similar nature that occurred. We understand that uh, these incidents have an impact on feelings of safety and security in our community as well. So what I can tell you is that investigators are taking this very seriously and that it is an active ongoing investigation. Ranjbar speaking up so no one else is targeted. Cassidy Moscone, Global News. Well, it's a holiday a Washington State woman won't soon forget after her catalytic converter was stolen from her car in North Delta on Christmas Day. The crime happened in broad daylight, and as Troy Charles shows us, a security camera was rolling as the thieves cased the cul-de-sac. Now, we all know the Grinch has a penchant for presents and roast beast, but apparently he also has a thing for catalytic converters. And on Christmas, one North Delta family found that out the hard way. Then I ran to the door and said, they're taking parts. Rhina Hatch had just finished up a lovely Christmas morning opening presents at her parents' house in North Delta. I was sitting here doing Legos with my son, and then when I heard the noise, I could see just through those blinds right there between the two tires of our vehicle. In broad daylight, thieves made off with the catalytic converter from Hatch's vehicle, but not before being chased out of the neighborhood. So my husband tried to run after the vehicle. I was like, get a license plate number, but the license plate had one of those plastic covers on it and it had been spray painted over. Security camera footage shows a silver sedan stop in front of Hatch's parents' house at 10.45 a.m. And the video seen here is thanks to a neighbor and their high-tech home security camera. Chris Schofield's motion tracking camera recorded the crime and it also revealed something else. I spent a bit of time going through looking at the history and found that the car had actually been around three times. Uh, so, uh, and the last time you couldn't actually hear the, the noise of the, the cutting. Hatch has filed a police report and Delta PD confirm they are investigating. They also tell Global News that as of December 15th, catalytic converter thefts are actually down from 2022. For Hatch, she's off to the mechanic to get a quote on her now very loud Kia Sportage. Hopeful that these Grinch's hearts might grow a few sizes. Obviously, it's not something that we can stop, so we just got to deal with it and go forward, but definitely put a damper on the day. Troy Charles, Global News. Port Moody police are investigating a number of break-ins over the holiday weekend. Two homes were hit on Saturday in the Ravine Drive area. A silver car that may be a Hyundai Elantra or Toyota Corolla is a vehicle of interest in that case. On Christmas Day, a College Park residence was also broken into, and that incident may be related to the first two. And early this morning, police were called to a break-in off Ioko Road. A 19-year-old suspect from Coquitlam, known to police, was arrested and charges are being recommended. That one is not believed to be linked to the other three cases. Por uh, police are urging Port Moody residents to be extra vigilant.
four incidents is fairly high, especially for a city like Port Moody. You know, these are fairly rare to see residential break and enters. Um, but unfortunately, it appears that, uh, you know, there are people or a person who are taking advantage uh, of folks who are not home. And so I uh, just want folks to be uh, extra vigilant at this time and aware of this is happening and report any sort of suspicious activity to us. Anyone with information about the break-ins is asked to contact Port Moody Police. Now to steals on wheels of a different kind. An alleged thief who used SkyTrain as his getaway ride, and he wasn't exactly discreet about it. As Grace Key shows us, the suspect was caught with not one stolen coat, but two racks full of them. It was so brazen, some people might not have even given it a second thought. A man was seen wheeling two racks of brand new winter coats onto a train on Christmas Day at about 5 p.m. But it did raise the suspicions of a SkyTrain attendant. Our officers responded to a call from a very observant SkyTrain attendant. So the SkyTrain attendant was on board a train at Joyce Station and witnessed a man with this giant rolling rack of what he was assuming was brand new jackets. Very suspicious looking. Earlier that day at about 2.30 in the afternoon, Burnaby RCMP responded to an alarm at Metrotown Mall. Police aren't saying from which store, and it's unclear right now exactly how the alarm was triggered. Based on the time that uh, transit arrested him and the time that he left, that, that we got the call, uh, I'd say he, he must have gotten right on the SkyTrain at, at Metrotown. It's believed the suspect made it all the way to Joyce Street Station before police were called. One passenger said the man was talking to himself and tried to put on one of the jackets. Police were waiting for him at the waterfront station. He was arrested without incident. The suspect was identified uh, thanks to transit police, so we have that information. Uh, all the items were received, uh, should have been brought back to the, the victim um, store. And so the next steps will be uh, getting charge approval. 34 coats were seized worth about $6,100. A 35-year-old man with no fixed address was arrested and released pending further investigation. The man has a history of theft and break and enter charges. In my 11 years, uh, I've seen a lot of strange things, but I, I don't think that I can say I've ever seen uh, someone try and steal an entire rack of, of clothes and then board a SkyTrain um, and try and take it downtown to downtown Vancouver. I, I don't think I've ever seen that. Please say this is a reminder. If you see something that seems a bit off, call 911. Grace Key, Global News. The last full moon of December. The cold moon peaked on Tuesday and brought with it a king tide. And Vancouver Island was the place to be storm watching today with high winds and big waves. Catherine Urquhart reports. On the northwest coast of Vancouver Island, heavy winds and a king tide made for some great storm watching. It's coming up over the bluff. Throughout the day, there were more and more power outages, mostly on the island. I've been 65, 70 there. It's freaking awful. This was the scene at McNeil Bay in Oak Bay, where some vehicles were given an unexpected car wash. By mid-afternoon, BC Ferries sailings between Comox and Powell River were being cancelled. North of Nanaimo, we are seeing impact between uh, Comox and Powell River, and we're also closely monitoring some of those northern Gulf Island routes, such as Cortez, for example. Major routes are not expected to be affected. Still, passengers are advised to monitor BC Ferries' website or social media.
this West Coast winter storm not over just yet. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. The unseasonable double-digit temperatures in late December are cutting into mountain time. Many who would be enjoying snowboarding or skiing on local mountains are finding themselves having to go further to find good snow. Alyssa Tebow explains. Starting from the roadway and snaking through Creekside, this social media video captures the lineup of skiers and snowboarders waiting to hit the slopes in Whistler on Boxing Day. The Creekside line has made it to the highway. And even more lines captured on the mountain. I saw them, and luckily I was at the front of them, so... Whistler local John Champion says he joined the line early. Crowds then started building behind him after a delayed opening of the lifts due to icy conditions. We were near the front of the line. We found out there was going to be a delay. A lot of people left, so we ended up being uh, first chair up. The Fitzsimmons 8 chair. That was after waiting for about an hour. This ski season has so far been a challenging one for BC Mountains. The lack of snow leading to Mount Seymour shutting down all operations until at least the 28th. On Cypress Mountain, only two chairs are operating with snow guns producing a foot of snow overnight. And most lessons on Grouse Mountain are cancelled until at least the 29th. For the larger Whistler Black Home, only 38% of the terrain is open. It's pretty rough, probably mid-station and down and even some areas up top. Uh, the Black Foam Glacier is pretty thin right now too. A spokesperson for Vale saying the team is hoping to open up nearly 60% of the skiable terrain in the coming days, weather and conditions dependent. But some willing to wait in line have been met with views like this. Mountain users telling Global News there are areas of good snow if you can get high enough. Yesterday was amazing as far as I was concerned. We get above the clouds. And it's beautiful out there. It's hoped a dip in temperatures can help improve conditions heading into the new year. Alyssa Tebow, Global News. And it has certainly been an interesting winter break weather-wise so far. Mountain resorts hoping for some more snow. Senior meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now with more on what we could see in the coming days. Christy? Sophie, so it's been time and time again through this month that we've continued with this same pattern that we're seeing right now, which is a southwest flow pulling in these systems, bringing in those milder conditions across our region. And we tend to get these strong southerly flows uh, when we have these systems driving in. So we saw 12 degrees as a daytime high today, and we're expecting 11 degrees again tomorrow and into Friday. The good news is it looks like we'll see a little bit of a shift towards New Year's and into the early part of January, back to still above seasonal values, but closer to seasonal values. T typical daytime high is five degrees. So at that point with highs of six and seven degrees, we can get some snow on the local mountains, which is great. And certainly up towards Whistler. Don't forget, there's lots of snow for mountains in the interior. Back to you. All right. Thanks, Christy. A teenager's trip home for Christmas hits an unexpected roadblock. There's a miner stranded and has no one. Why a 15-year-old was removed from the bus long before his final destination. That's in just over a minute. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. 
More problems for the Stanley Park train, why the popular ride won't be running tonight. That's later on the news hour. Plus, no more post-game handshake. Why a minor hockey league in Newfoundland is doing away with the on-ice tradition. That's still to come tonight. Right now, though, a teenager who was trying to get from the North Okanagan to the Fraser Valley for Christmas ended up being kicked off in Kelowna. As Taya Fast reports, his family is outraged, but the bus company maintains they should have read the fine print. It was supposed to be a routine trip from Vernon to Abbotsford by e-bus for Jared Martin's 15-year-old stepson, Riley, who had done the trip before on his own. We were doing it to bring him home to his mom for Christmas, so... Martin purchased the bus ticket online for the unaccompanied minor and Riley boarded an e-bus in Vernon where he was sent off by a parent on December 23rd. Once Riley arrived here in Kelowna for his transfer, Martin says he was boarded onto the next bus by the bus driver, but was removed shortly after and told he could not continue the trip alone. Okay, well this is already happening. You guys could see that there's a minor stranded and has no one. According to EBUS, policies changed in September of this year and the age to travel unaccompanied increased from 15 to 16 years old. EBUS also says that on its website it does not allow riders to purchase a child's ticket without also purchasing a youth or adult's ticket. Global News confirmed that by attempting to purchase a single child's ticket online. And I didn't think to check because like I said, he just busted here back in the summer, literally maybe a month or two before they changed their policy. In a statement to Global News, eBus said in part, in this case, the customer was booked as a youth, which is 16 to 17 years old, although they were only 15 years of age. It was identified in Kelowna that the child was underage and unaccompanied, and a decision was made by staff to interrupt the travel of the underage person. Our offer to the passenger was a safe passage back to Vernon, full refund of the ticket, and supervised waiting in our Kelowna office that is staffed with multiple staff members. However, the family decided to pick up Riley from Kelowna. Me and my girlfriend had to leave work early and drive the Coquihalla eight-hour round trip. And not only that, his luggage got lost. And then we had to drive from Langley to Vancouver and back the next day to get the luggage. And it was just, it was a complete nightmare and it just costed us so much. The family says although they now know that they should have been aware of the new policies, they are frustrated that Riley was initially allowed on the bus from Vernon to Kelowna. The bus driver didn't even ask for his ID, so they already kind of failed right there and they let him on. But like I said, I had no idea because we didn't know they changed the policies. Ebus told the family that Riley should have been denied boarding at the point of origin and the incident has been passed along to their operations team so that the bus driver can be coached on the unaccompanied minor policy. TFS Global News, Kelowna. Coming up, new developments in the killing of Hardeep Singh Nidjar. The way this information has come out now is a bit surprising. Reports, arrests may be imminent in the murder of the Sikh activist. Also ahead, a vigil in Vancouver for victims of domestic violence. What advocates say needs to change. Arrests could be coming in a matter of weeks in the deadly shooting of Sikh activist Hardeep Singh Nijjar, according to the Globe and Mail. The report says investigators have honed in on two men they believe to be responsible for the murder, which set off a diplomatic crisis between Canada and India. Neetu Garcha reports. 
At the Surrey Gurdwara, where Hardeep Singh Nijar was murdered in June, there's a sense of hope for justice. After reports, arrests in the case are imminent. Within the community, that uh, there's a sense of closure that might come with uh, with two people being arrested, like it's being said. According to the Globe and Mail, two suspects did not leave Canada after the shooting death of the sixth separatist leader and have been under police surveillance for months, and that RCMP are expected to make arrests and lay charges. Global News has not independently verified those details. The way this information has come out now is a bit surprising, that we're still not sure how the information or why it came out. In September, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau suggested Indian government agents were linked to Niger's murder. The Indian government denied the allegations causing strained relations between the two countries. The people that are giving the orders are much, much different than the people pulling the triggers. Uh, and it's the people that are giving the orders that need to be held to account. Canadian allegations were fortified in November by evidence in a U.S. indictment outlining a foiled plot to kill Canadian-American Sikh activist Gurpantwan Singh Panoon, who told Global News on Wednesday he still receives threats. These uh, threats are continuous. But I'm not going to stop my Khalistan referendum campaign. U.S. authorities allege an Indian government official directed the unsuccessful plot to kill Panoon and that there are links to Niger's murder as well as threats to three other Canadian Sikhs. I think there need to be a bold step taken by Canada that they should remove the Indian High Commissioner. Our focus is still on what India uh, should be held accountable, like a public inquiry, the freezing of intelligence sharing agreements that put Sikh activists at risk. BC's integrated homicide investigation team said it's aware of the reports of coming arrests in Niger's murder, but won't comment because it's an active investigation. Neetu Garcha, Global News, Surrey. A vigil was held in Vancouver today to mourn the women killed by male violence in B.C. this year. The Vancouver Rape Relief and Women's Shelter organized the event. They say at least 10 women were killed by men in B.C. in 2023, and they're demanding action from the provincial government. They're asking for the police or the B.C. Coroner Service to publish all the names of women who were killed and for more police transparency on domestic violence incidents. But we do not have less male violence against women. In their private homes, in their private lives, women are very, still very much vulnerable to male violence. And we need to see some significant reforms, economic reforms. So we need significant economic support. And we need diligent criminal justice systems that supervise and monitor and hold uh, abusive men accountable. The group wants men with a history of violence to be better monitored to avoid future incidents. Just ahead, a former Olympian faces his biggest challenge. I was just so weak I could only walk 10 steps on a, on a flat surface. How a mechanical heart gave him his life back. Plus, we have experienced a lot of up and downs and there's a lot of uncertainty. Gratitude and exhaustion, why 2023 was a year of mixed emotions. Well, as we prepare to ring in 2024, a new survey suggests most Canadians gave this year a mixed review. The Angus Reid Institute survey looked at factors like health, happiness and finances. Aaron MacArthur has the results. Financial shocks. $19. It breaks my heart. And personal headwinds. Uh, we deal. Canadians, it seems, are a gloomy bunch as we trudge towards 2024. 
A new survey from the Angus Reid Institute provides some insight into what kind of headspace Canadians are in. The most used words to describe 2023 by people surveyed, grateful and exhausting. Both used by 37% of people asked. Mental health professionals not at all surprised. Our brains are uh, wired to be, you know, we, we can tend to remember the, um, the negatives. The survey results are a bit of a mixed bag. For older Canadians with stable incomes, the outlook is generally positive. But for younger people struggling to make ends meet, any optimism turns sour. The number of people who report being dissatisfied with life sits around 30% overall. But younger people far more likely to report negative responses when it comes to their mental health. Women by far much worse off. 45% of women under 34 reporting dissatisfaction. Having strategies to cope have never been more important. We're always looking for what don't I have? What more do I need? But that leaves us feeling empty. So it's the idea of looking at what do I already have that's great? When it comes to financial well-being, the country is in a much darker place. 44% of people report being dissatisfied with their financial well-being. Credit counselors say the pressure of inflation plus interest rates plus increasing debt loads adds up. And the big thing is, is you're not alone. Um, there's lots of Canadians out there that are dealing with the same issues that you're seeing on a day-to-day -day basis. The Angus Reid Institute last did a reflection survey in 2016. Canadians slightly unhappier this year, an uncertain start to 2024, and likely to change people's perceptions. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. A former Olympian is giving thanks this holiday season. After being diagnosed with advanced heart failure two years ago, he wasn't sure how many Christmases he would have left. Catherine Ward shows us how his life was saved with some minor adjustments. One foot in front of the other. I'm constantly... On the goal. Olympian and world champion Ralph Pickler has always been active on the bobsled track and in life, with his wife Marla by his side the last 35 years. I was a physio with the Canadian team at the Olympics in 1984. He was an athlete for Switzerland. Their love story nearly ended two years ago when Ralph learned his heart was failing at the age of 67. I was just so weak I could only, only walk 10 steps on a, on a flat surface. And then I had to sit down and recover. I could only walk 10 steps and I used to run. They found out that he was in cardiogenic shock and he was immediately transferred from the ward into the cardiac ICU. Doctors say it's not clear why this happened. A heart transplant was not an option, so Ralph had two choices. Transition to palliative care or have surgery to get an LVAD, a type of mechanical heart. Your native heart still stays there, and this pump is attached to it and augments the function of the left heart. Doctors say across the country, 100 mechanical hearts are implanted every year. Can we put a device in you that you don't have to take any medications anymore, don't have to be on blood thinners, and, and has a zero risk of stroke? That's a, a work in progress. There are drawbacks. I do have to deal with equipment and batteries every day of my life. I can never jump in a lake again because electricity and water don't go well. But Ralph says it's worth every minute to be with his wife, his children, and now a granddaughter he otherwise would not have met. It's all a bonus to live, live your life, enjoy the moment, don't get hung up on small things. 
and enjoy your family especially, especially at this time of the year. Catherine Ward, Global News. Coming up, holiday plans derailed. Why the Stanley Park train won't be running tonight. Plus. The song we all know at this time of the year, the record Mariah Carey just set for a song recorded nearly 30 years ago. Richard Zussman and Keith Baldry have put together a special show for us this year. It's a behind-the-scenes tour of the historic B.C. legislature, and they'll share some of the fascinating political stories that have taken place there. You might even get to see their office in Keith's infamous bookcase. Watch it on BC1 on Saturday at 10 p.m. and on Sunday at 3.30 in the afternoon. Well, the popular Stanley Park Christmas train will not run this evening because of a power outage. The Vancouver Park Board says what appears to be a rodent attacked the equipment and caused a fuse to blow. The closure is to ensure safety and includes all rides and the plaza area. The Park Board says refunds will be issued to ticket holders whose plans were derailed tonight and the train is expected to be back on track by tomorrow. All right, let's bring in Christy Gordon once again with a look at our weather forecast. We talked about lots of warnings over on Vancouver Island, Christy. Yeah, so there's no longer concerns for uh, large waves across uh, the west coast of Vancouver Island, but this was a scene from earlier today. Conditions starting to subside there. We do have a number of people without power in Campbell River and in Powell River, and that's because of ahead of these systems that are driving in, we've got this strong southerly flow. That's what brought double-digit temperatures to our area today, and we still have wind warnings in place. So Victoria, as well as areas north of Nanaimo, Sunshine Coast, and up towards Port Hardy. These are southeast Easterly winds with gusts potentially up to 90 kilometers an hour. Now, Metro Vancouver not under a warning, but we still could see gusts up to about 70 kilometers an hour, particularly in areas like Tawasin, White Rock, and out towards Surrey. And we could continue to see that overnight, whereas I'm expecting areas like Victoria to start to see the winds ease as we head through the overnight period. But these are the winds so far. We're talking about hurricane force winds on the outer coast, not as strong on the inner coast. But again, we still have the potential for these strong winds to develop late evening and certainly into the overnight hours for Metro Vancouver. And it comes with periods of rain on and off tonight into tomorrow morning. Metro Vancouver, it will be drier in the afternoon tomorrow. Same for Victoria, although the rain will continue across Vancouver Island. Shouldn't be bad for travel tomorrow. We are expecting some rain and showers for the Coca Allison Pass and Sea to Sky in the morning, but drier in the afternoon and dry conditions expected along the connector. So there's your forecast for your Thursday. Wet and windy, certainly across the north and central coast. We'll see a few showers or pardon me, flurries changing to showers in through Revelstoke. Breaks of blue sky in the interior and we'll continue to see rainfall across Vancouver Island for areas north of Victoria tomorrow. For our region, though, we'll see periods of rain in the morning, drier in the afternoon and a bit of sunshine in store for us on Friday. And again, fingers crossed that the temperature drop as we head into the new year so we can get a little snow on the local mountains. Uh, we caught a little bit of a break in the clouds today and that caused a double rainbow. Many people viewed it thanks to Sean for this nice shot. So back to you. Lovely. Thank you very much, Christy. The unofficial Queen of Christmas has done it again.
For the second consecutive week, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas Is You has topped the Billboard Hot 100 list. This is the hit's 14th week at number one since 2019, making Mariah Carey the only artist in music history to have three songs rule the Billboard list for that time period. The song originally came out in October of 1994 as part of the singer's fourth studio album and her first ever Christmas album. And featured in many uh, holiday commercials that you've put on Satellite Debris, or at least that one that you Well, the on one TV. that we run every year. Yeah. Which, of course, she's in, obviously. So she's made some money from that. She has made a lot song, of money from that one song. She's had a lot of hits. Yeah, she does all right. But as time goes on, I think that's what she'll be remembered for, is the Christmas song. I tell you, that is the only song that I could name. <laughs> I'm the same way. I know she's had hits. I just can't name them. Um, okay, so remember uh, back in Canucks training camp and also at the start of the season, Dakota Joshua and Connor Garland both seem destined not to be part of the Canucks this season. Maybe in the minors, maybe traded, but they have become big contributors. Like it's the guys that... They've had a little bit of adversity at the start of the year, and um, they've really helped our, uh, solidify our team with that secondary scoring. Every team dreams of lesser lights in their forward group scoring goals, and the Canucks have been getting lots of them from the bottom six. Also tonight... I think it diminishes the ability for us to teach the players how to be sportsmen. A hockey tradition put on hold while the post-game handshake is off limits in Newfoundland. I've had some texts from some people listing off every Mariah Carey song there that ever was. Yeah, which is many of them apparently. Can you hum any of them? No, I mean, maybe, but we, no one needs that. The Christmas that. song, yes, you can sing that backwards probably yeah. now, but the other we don't ones, need that, though. I mean, unless you're a real true fan, I'm not so sure you can sing them all. Thank you for the input. Thank you. <laughs> we appreciate that. Uh, every NHL team has players who are paid a lot and players who aren't paid a lot, relatively speaking, of course. And every general manager hopes that his big money guys play up to their salary and the lower paid guys outdo their salary, which is commonly known as secondary scoring. Goals from players who aren't really paid to score goals. And in this season, where everything is going better than expected for Vancouver. The secondary scoring has been very, very good. Dumps it across center, picked off by Bluger. He's in with Oman, Teddy Bluger. Centers, Oman scores! It's the kind of night in and night out effort that's helped the Canucks become the NHL's top team. And it's coming from a vastly improved bottom six forward group that's giving the Canucks secondary scoring and then some. Here come the Canucks, four of them to center. Connor Garland looks across. Here's Joshua, scores! Well, for me, it's like character, like, you know, look at Dakota, had, you know, tough camp, you know, I didn't dress him. Look what he's done. Garland, you know, trade rumors, you know, this, this sort of that, you know, he's put it back. He's been one of our best players. Like, it's the guys that, they've had a little bit of adversity at the start of the year, and um, they've really helped our, uh, solidify our team with that secondary scoring. It actually, you know, have really dominated some of our games for us, helping us, you know, uh, come out the right, the right side of the, the game sometimes because of those guys. And out with it comes Connor Garland. Pick a skater, any player on the Canucks' third or fourth line. They've all contributed 79 points and counting from guys who've earned the trust of their coaches and teammates. And yes, a lot of it is chemistry, but it's also how they go about doing their jobs. Garland scores! What a pass! 
What a play by this line again. Every day the chemistry gets a little bit better and better and we're getting better at reading off of each other and uh, you know knowing what to expect and the predictability of one another um, has carried us I guess until this point so now it's just about you know fixing the little things and making sure that we're, we're sticking to all the things that made us successful. We want to be aggressive and put pressure on the other team and on their D especially um, kind of take away their time and space and make you know, make it difficult for them to come out of their end and I think um, you know, Dak and Garley are both really good down low, protecting the puck and making plays. Um, you know, Garley's got a lot of quickness and skill, and Dak's got a size and, and big reach and stuff and strength. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think we, we want to use that to our advantage and possess the puck down low and wear him down and, and be hard to play against. You know, we've been playing pretty well since, you know, we've been put together. Um, and uh, it's just, it's it's been good. Just we, we play a simple game and, uh, you know, and it works. So, Hopefully uh, continues after after the break. The uh, tragic on ice death of Adam Johnson during a game in England when his neck was cut with a skate blade started the call for NHL players to consider wearing neck guards to protect themselves. Today at practice, Connor Garland was in fact wearing one. Tried to get him out of here out here uh, earlier. It took a while to get it ordered, um, as you can imagine. Uh, I wore one in junior. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It's a personal choice, but we'll see. I don't. I don't. Uh, I think it's. I think it's good. I think uh, it's obviously more protection. So, um, but yeah, I've, I've worn it for my whole life, except uh, in, in the American League in the NHL. So, something I'm not, uh, you know, unfamiliar with. You know, like I said, it shouldn't be too much, too much uh, of a story. It's just you know protection. Uh, I'm sure we'll see a lot of guys wearing it more and more. World Juniors today, Canada against Latvia. Now, to denigrate the Latvians, this was really just a high-level practice for Canada. And Macklin Celebrini of Vancouver had a five-point game. Here he sets up Braden Yeager for a goal to make it 2-0 in the first period. Nice goal here from Carson Rekoff. Rekoff goes in and scores. One more look. Yes, with the moves here. That would make it 4-0 in the second period. Now, Celebrini was setting everybody up, so it was time someone set him up. Breakaway now for the young man who will likely be the first pick in next June's draft. That made it 5-0. There's three BC boys leading the offense, or at least helping the offense in a big way in this team. Macklin Celebrini, of course. Fraser Minton of Vancouver, who's the captain. He got a goal here to make it 6-0 in the third period. And the Nimo's Matthew Wood got a goal as well to make it 7-0 in the third period. This game was no problem for the Canadians. Their next game will be a bit of a problem because they're going to face Sweden with all those Canuck prospects on it. And one final goal to show you. There you see Matthew Wood finishing up his goal. Connor Geeky, yes, another Connor playing high-level hockey. There are quite a few in this world these days. He scores to make it 8-0 there. 10-0 was the final for Canada over Latvia, as we said. They will play the Swedes on Friday. Russell Wilson will not be the Broncos' starting quarterback for the final two weeks of the regular season. He'll be the backup to Jarrett Stidham because Denver does not want Russell Wilson to get hurt for financial reasons. You see, Russell Wilson's contract says that if he cannot pass a physical next March because of a football-related injury, he would be given $37 million. He's already guaranteed $39 million next year, no matter what, so the Broncos would prefer not to add 
$37 million to that amount. And since he gets sacked a lot, there's always a danger he might get hurt. I need a, a good contract, contract if you can get it. I know. Like that. If you get laryngitis next March and cannot perform your duties on the news hour. I get $37 million. Well, it's sort of that's the way it works, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks, Squire. Unfortunately, you don't have that. No, I don't. Up next, the post-game tradition that's being banned at minor hockey games in Newfoundland. Jordan Armstrong standing by in the newsroom with a look ahead to Global News at 11 tonight. Jordan? Sophie, the union representing some Coast Mountain Bus Company employees is warning of possible disruptions in January. The workers who include transit and maintenance supervisors have been without a contract for a year and recently voted 100% in favor of a strike mandate. At 11, we'll tell you what's being done to avert a strike and how TransLink is responding to QP's warning. Plus, a windy night for parts of the South Coast. We'll be keeping an eye out for power outages and possible ferry disruptions. Sophie? All right, thanks for that, Jordan. A stir in minor hockey leagues across the country. Hockey Newfoundland has announced that soon minor league games will no longer include handshakes at the end of those games. And as Global's Craig Mumney tells us, some say the decision removes the most important meaning of the game. It's a tradition as old as the game itself. The handshake between two opponents following 60 minutes out on the ice. Like it just shows that you stand on even ground at the end of a game to see uh, who won or who lost, right? It's kind of just leave it all on the ice and uh, big in sportsmanship. So you finish a hard fought battle and handshake the other team. You're all brothers at the end of the day, right? However, for minor hockey in Newfoundland and Labrador, these acts of sportsmanship will now happen before the game even starts. In a memo from Hockey Newfoundland, recent issues during post-game handshakes have led to the suspension of players and coaches. Soon, during pre-game warm-ups, the home team will now remain at their bench, while the visitors will skate by doing a glove tap or handshake. The move was proposed by the Minor Council of Hockey Newfoundland during a disciplinary hearing in the fall, which they feel reduces any risk of any post-game altercations while enhancing sportsmanship. You put all your, uh, all your heart on during the game, and so just shows class to do it after the game and it it's it's better that way I feel it doesn't show anything like nothing's happened in the game so you can't really show like respect to your opponent that you lost or if you won it's like you're not even on even ground nothing's happened yet you can't do anything coaches and parents fear the move removes the most important part of the game I think it diminishes the ability for us to teach the players how to be sportsmen and respectful of what just happened and to understand, yeah, everything's going to be emotional. You're out there, you're fighting for everything you have, and you want to win a game. You got to battle hard, and you got to let it go. And after the game is the time for that handshake. And I think you know, getting rid of it uh, for me, that doesn't make sense. Doing it before the game doesn't make sense. I just think we need to teach these kids the meaning of sportsmanship. The Minor Council of Hockey Newfoundland plans to trial the pregame handshake in the new year. Craig Momney, Global News. Can I just say? Yes. I love the team that's wearing the old school Minnesota North Stars uniforms. Oh, yeah. yeah. Those are great. Yeah. That, yeah. Good color. I mean, I like the handshake. It should be at the end of the games, but I really like those yeah. North Star uniforms. Well, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. All right. Final word on the weather, Christy. 
Sure. So we still are expecting some strong winds for Metro Vancouver, southern regions, uh, so um, White Rock to Wasson overnight, but below warning criteria and few showers into tomorrow morning. All right, so back to you. Okay, thank you, and thanks for joining us tonight. Have a good night, everyone. Oh, they look good.